Do you ever wonder what happened to your friends from high school? I mean, you were so close. You laughed together, you cried together, you shared some of the best years of your lives together. And yet, somehow through life, you just lost touch. Now it's time to relive those moments once again. Introducing the podcast that takes you back in time to the place where it all began. This is Class Reunion. We're bringing you all the gossip, secrets, and scandals from your high school days that you won't want to miss. Join us as we catch up with old classmates and dive into the wildest stories from our high school days. From those legendary parties to the infamous cliques, we're spilling all the tea on who's who and what really went down. So grab a seat, turn your volume up, and get ready for a trip down memory lane. Class Reunion, the podcast that reunites us all. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Class Reunion. I have with me retired police officer, if you can believe that, Neil Karajian, who's joining us today, uh, who also went to Groves. But I have been wanting to have this discussion because I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things that are, are shared today. So, Neil, thank you so, so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let us begin right with what's behind you. So we're going to get to the police work that you had, but what a cool setup you have behind you. Thank you. Thank you. To me, something I always loved, playing guitar, playing in bands, music, enjoy it much more than I did it by the end of my police career. So you won't see any police memorabilia laying around my house, just guitars and music. Music yeah. stuff. So yeah, did you play in high school? I don't remember. That's where I picked it up. Like just on for fun, or were you? Well, like most guys, you get into it because of the girls. Oh, and yeah. It, although that wasn't always successful, but no <laughs> friends at Groves that were in bands, and I, yeah. you know, used to go see their shows, and I thought it was so cool, and I was musically inclined, and yeah. that made me get into it. We've got some fine musicians that came out of Groves now. Uh, people like John Whitelaw, if you remember. Yeah. Goes by J.C. Whitelaw now, successful musician all these years, some great bands that he's put together. One of my good friends still, Mark Trefelli. I don't know if you remember Mark Trefelli. The the name. I definitely know the name. He was a West Maple guy. So, But anyways, you know, especially Mark and his bands that he had, a band called The Knaves that he started in high school, originally with his brothers. Anyways. You know, it was so cool. And uh, I got into it in college is really when it started to expand and after college and played in a lot of different bands and stuff like that. Well, our music scene was awesome, you know? Yeah, we had a lot. Oh, Kevin Piscopio is another one. Oh, that's a name I remember. Yeah. He may have been one of the first ones to actually get a really cool band going in high school. And I still talk to him every now and then, too. He used to be my best friend in fifth grade. Wow. Well, so was it always the electric guitar or what what did you play? Well, uh, I know I there's a lot of people streaming, so it's yeah. too bad you're not going to see it. But he's got a cool yeah, red guitar right. behind him and... And picture frames with albums in it too. So Ramones over here. Oh, excellent. Yes. So I started playing bass guitar. Okay. Because no one ever wanted to play bass in bands. I'll be the guitar player. Yeah. So because they want to do that solo. yeah. 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 So I started playing bass taught myself. I had a very good ear for music. I wanted lessons. I wanted the guitar. My parents paid money for my brother and sister to fail on their instruments. So like, well, it's all on you. All on you. You want a guitar, bass guitar, you pay for it. And I did. And really when I got to college is when I really started to work at it. And then after college, and I was in a few pretty uh, cool bands over the years. I've kind of uh, been on a sabbatical for the last few years since my you last band. you got to pick it but, back uh, up. You're retired I know, now. Just, I yeah. know. Yeah, it's just, it's finding people to play with. 
that like the same stuff that you like. And but uh, yeah, so that's when I really got into it, college and after college. But high school that got my you know interest in it. And again, yeah, most guys get into bands for the girls back in the day. Um, of course, and the drummers and again, and everyone, yeah, most of the time that didn't work out. Though, so. <laughs> I, did, I did, I did get my wife through one of my bands, so I guess you know, I guess it oh, worked see, out it did. I had a neighbor Johnny Conwell who was next to the P cars. I don't know if any of these names ring a bell. Um, Dennis P car was a year older than me. Yeah, I remember. And, him. and Yvonne yeah. was in my my class. And so this neighbor, Johnny and his brother, Kevin Conwell, but Johnny played drums. And so we heard Wipeout like 1,000 times. Na, 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 you know, yeah. To where it's so, driving you crazy because it's the same thing constantly. I know, but we still thought it was <laughs> incredibly cool. And then just to set the record straight, I asked you to put this jacket on because I was talking about my friends who loved to humble me when Kevin Shear recently was on my podcast and he surprised me with his soccer jacket. And I went, Kevin, that's awesome. So now I have to say, <laughs> Neil, that's awesome. So you do have and you fit in your letter jacket. So just pull it up a little bit yes. so people can see it. There we, there we go. It's legit, man. Number two. See? That's 85. Yeah, two for two. That's and, two for uh, two that have it. Yeah, one of your recent guests uh, probably couldn't get into his, but I won't bring up names, but, um, <laughs> James. <but. laughs> we're going to give you plenty of time to rebuttal uh, against yeah. him. But, will, but yeah. yeah, he's good friends with Jim Horn, and we're going to have a, a case in court. And so... You know, I'll give Neil his time to to review some of his statements that he said on the podcast. But all I had was was the letter because I the jacket was fortune. So I think that's so cool that you got it. It was like such a cool thing. Did you ever have like a temptation to give it to a girlfriend to wear? Or remember that was like the big thing. Well, you had to have a girlfriend first to give it to. So uh, <laughs> yeah, not in high, not in high school. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, and then college, it's kind of weird, you know. If you have a girlfriend wearing a, your high school. Correct. Then it's like you so. never gave it up. Yes. <laughs> so you went to, um, and by the way, I have to say that you went to Beverly Elementary because I'm also I getting did. harassed about only having people from Evergreen. So yeah. we caught up at, at Berkshire, but you went to Beverly. Beverly Panthers. Okay. And do you have any <laughs> like um, cool memories there, like uh, snow days or were you oh. on the safety squad? We had a safety squad. Were I... you on any of that stuff? I was one of the safety patrol guys with the okay. little orange thing. Yeah, I did yeah. that. Yeah. I would say I have tons of great memories from elementary school. And Beverly was a good so, school. Yeah. It was. We had a lot of fun. I still have Doug Krawczak, probably oh, one of my yes. oldest friends from yes. Beverly. Yep. Still friends, still talk, still needle each other. Yeah. He lives out of state. But yeah, I think the best things are just what we used to do, recesses. We used awesome. to play some of the most brutal games of, and i can't you can't say the name anymore what you used I to know. play but it, it started with smear <laughs> and just some awesome awesome games Smear the person with the and, ball we'll just call it that yeah, yeah. and then yeah. then it evolved and it used to be everyone on their own yeah well our game our game it evolved into a team game that we called keep away but still yep. tackling still all that stuff but just we had a variation just great, yeah. yeah just great times things that they don't let kids do anymore on no. And, and just sliding down that aluminum slide and burning yeah. your butt, like just, it was the hottest thing ever. And it was like, our gym, our playground equipment was deadly, just deadly. <laughs> oh yeah, Someone, definitely. Yeah. If you didn't break an arm and know somebody that didn't break an arm, it was a miracle, right? It was. We used to have crazy. the gravel swing yes. sets with the gra little pea gravel. Yes. And we would get 
as high as you could go. Yeah. And once you got as high forward, you would jump off. Yes. Into the pea gravel. And, and get something just, lodged in your knee like yeah. it was stuck yeah. in there for, oh, yeah. I know, I but, know. But that's why kids are not as tough I know. as the Generation X generation. I know. So, we, yeah. we rocked it, put a little mercuricomb, <laughs> like remember that red stuff? At least that's oh, what yeah. we used. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stung yeah. the heck out of your wound. But, and we have to show your, your mug because it was, yeah. speaking of Mr. Horn, yeah. <laughs> so you were, you were in both football and wrestling, thus the jacket. So yes, he also, correct. I had to tell him, definitely not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he also has his wrestling outfit or uniform or, or whatever you'd call it. What's the, the name of the, it again? The, uh, the singlet. Yes. The, the singlet. singlet. Okay. Yes. So yeah. he does have that as well, but we decided to just go with the <laughs> with the letter jacket. So you were in both. Yeah, and I, re- I remember wrestling was amazing because you really had to watch your ears. You had to, you know, did you ever get cauliflower ear, whatever they called it? Just mild sometimes if you didn't wear your headgear. Yeah. So you'd practice without it. I I don't have cauliflower ear now. Like you see some wrestlers now, it's just all, right. you know, you'd get it a little bit if you didn't wear headgear, but yeah, we generally wore headgear, most of us all the time in practice. Is it just because they're slamming your head down and and you're stuck in such a position? Uh, Just the constant, like the grinding and rubbing if you're not wearing headgear on the ear and then just builds up fluid constantly and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, uh, never really had an issue with it. How was your time at Groves with both those sports? I had, I had a good time in high school, you know, yeah. not too many, you know, regrets had fun in football, fun in wrestling. Yeah. Um, you always look back and go, could have done this better. Could have done that better. You know, injuries get involved sometimes. So senior year hurt an ankle early on in the season that affected mm-hmm. it. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I was fortunate. I did have an opportunity to go on and play college football, not very successfully, but I still had the opportunity to did that. So, so you played, that's awesome. It was fun, fun time in college too. Enjoyed it again. Uh-huh. Not the most successful college career, but I did it, had fun. I was on a national championship, championship of football team my freshman year. So that was also a lot of fun. Very so, cool. Yeah. What position yeah. did you play? I was a tailback in college okay. yep. yeah running back we call it tailback so yep i got hit by some of the biggest people at the time that i had ever seen so. <laughs> it would build character my son moved on in like middle school we moved from michigan to florida and in high school he was going to try <laughs> try out for football god bless him but he did and he went to go work out and all of that and the day that you were going to put pads on to try out officially he's like no, <laughs> you know, they breed them differently down here. I mean, these, these yeah. kids, because it's year round, they're huge by fourth grade. I mean, oh, it's yeah. incredible. You know, no wonder Nick Saban always wants to come down here and recruit yeah. and Jim Harbaugh, because it's, it's, they're born and bred by second grade. They know, you know, oh, yeah. if they're ready Florida to go. football, Florida football is incredible. It's, yeah. Uh, really yeah. Texas, Florida, you know, a lot of those States in the South. So you met your wife in college? No, after. Oh, after. After. Okay, that's right. She was in the hospital. Okay, so tell that that story. Well, I was playing in a bit. So this is after college. Yeah. Late 90s. I think we met in 98. Yeah, 98. So I was playing in a band. Yeah. I had a friend I worked with in the police department. Mm -hmm. And he had a girlfriend who worked at Henry Ford Hospital downtown. Mm -hmm. And both of them thought they would have the great idea to introduce 
Denise, my wife, mm-hmm. and me, brought her to one of my shows. And what can I say? I mean, she was just like, she was mesmerized. all about that base. Yeah, it was just, all I mean, about that base. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't be right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we met. And yeah. then we started started dating and a few years later we got married and oh, now nice. it's 23, 23 long years later. Oh, three 23 children. enjoyable <laughs> years later. Yes. And well, she does and social work or, or she, she was doing she social did. work. This, yeah. this is a gift to me just to remind me. From her. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, she was a social worker at Henry Ford Hospital downtown. Yeah. Worked with neurology patients. Went around, did some other stuff like that, but you know, didn't work in any of the heroin dens or anything like that. Just met a hospital social worker, and then you know, had our kids. Wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and yeah, did that. But you know, on the side, she started up you know her own little business doing like vintage stuff. Yeah, Has which it- I love, and I've told you I've I've been a fan and bought it myself. Like when you take an old dresser, I wish there were so many things I kept from my childhood and redid them because it. It wasn't trendy at the time, you know, but now I think about all like those big armoires and dressers that you could have done some kind of chalk paint on and just, you know, brought them to life. I, I never did that, but I, yeah, I totally she does a lot of chalk skill. Paint. Yeah. yeah. So she does a good job. Yeah. And uh, if you're familiar with Holly, Michigan, it's a great right. little town. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, we're just outside of the town. She works at a couple of stores there part time, has her mm-hmm. booth there and, Sells her wares uh, there and on Facebook oh, Marketplace and other stuff. So nice. But I could give her a plug. <laughs> yes, I definitely. So we also talked about th- our different generations. So you talked about your daughter being upstairs and you and I, you know, having friendships back in the day. We probably had basic disagreements like boys and girls. And, you know, I, it was either, you know, you're spending too much time with this person or, you know, the bro code, like don't break it. Like the, <laughs> the, the fights were so stupid and, and nothing where you got jugular. And then we talked about how it is, you know, now and how the kids can just be, does it make you think about how we were raised because they're brutal now. I will. I mean, there's definitely a difference in, and like I said, I've, I've tried to mm-hmm. be a non coddling type, right? Kind of, you know, because I think that's a lot of issues with not today generation. Mm-hmm. Best mm-hmm. best friends with my kids, and right. you know, are gonna overindulge them. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of things I could get or could have gotten, and. I didn't want to be that was way. A nerd, and, I, or, yeah. and I think yeah. I've got three well-adjusted kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of that. And But yeah, there's definitely a difference. They're not as scared of me as I was of my dad, I'll tell you that. And you know, anyone who knew my dad, you know, like Jim or whoever else, Steve Wilson, another good close friend of mine still. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. my dad my dad could be a scary guy. So It's a look. It could be just a look, you know? Never had to get spanked by him, just the raising of the voice. Yeah. Apparently, I'm not as intimidating, but um, no. But there's definitely a difference, and a lot of it's technological stuff too now. That yeah, that, that's good, and there's a lot of bad with it now. I know, I know. I can't wait to have them raise children to see how it changes, even for them. You know, they're yeah, going to be like not- Gen Z was great. We're going to say what if that's the level yeah. of the bar yeah. we're at? Yeah. I, yeah, I I call I call it the worst generation right now. <laughs> that's because you're you're. Still but in it. People thought we were at the time too. Yeah. You know, lazy slackers, I think, is slacker was always like a, yep. a term for yep. the, our generation. But I, I do notice 
you know, not to sound sexist in any way, but boy versus girls. Yeah, we talked. Yeah. Yeah. My son, like, he's not perfect mm-hmm. compared to my girls. Mm-hmm. The drama level. Like yeah. nowhere. And just, yeah, it's, there's a difference. So, and that's what I mean. I mean, we hit definitely drama with girls. Don't get me wrong, but it can now continue on all day, every day through social media. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we just didn't get, we didn't hit the jugular, like, you know, she's fat or she's, it just, <laughs> it wasn't like that. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for that. We just did it face to face back then. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That is so true. That is so true. You talked about your wife and this is your moment to shine and have your, your say as you went house hunting with Jim Horn, realtor extraordinaire who called Hmm. you out on the podcast. He did. As he did. just being a difficult buyer. And would you like to have your moment? Well, uh, first of all, <laughs> Jim, Jim's always been, you know, a bit of an exaggerator, full of bravado. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I will say that Denise, uh, taking this off of me, but Denise can sometimes be a little difficult in some ways and, she, you know, whatever. But I don't recall some of the things Jim was talking about. Again, I think he's embellished it a bit in his mind. <laughs> but I will say, I remember him mentioning, the, oh, look at the pictures, you know, who this. My wife just likes old history of a house. And, you know, she may have probably looked at it like, oh my God, what a wonderful picture. Like, I wonder. Yeah. Sorry that bothered no. you, Jim. You know? No, she, we, we she were talking. You know? I know. We were talking about it from the perspective of like, it's hard to list someone's home and tell them to get rid to of remove it because yeah. it's their home. And just like you're saying, it's like a piece of them. It's their thing. And, and then buyers come in and they do get distracted with <laughs> the pictures on the wall. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but if you don't want this house, we don't need 20 minutes going through all of their. And that was like, I can't tell you how many people would do that. You know, it just, it's human nature. Cause half the time you're just interested, even if you're not going to buy the house. But that's what he was talking about. It was like, if people didn't remove things, of course, you're going to comment and, and want to know who they are. I always thought there was like this, this history with your family, you know, of generation, right? So it, that's not the case. And um, you didn't do law enforcement right away. So let's walk through that real quick and how you got into it. Let's see. Like out of college, I was really into politics. Right. Did an internship in DC, got an offer for a full-time job in Lansing. So I came back and then very quickly got jaded from politics because, mm-hmm. and again, I'm only 20, 22, 23 at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not wise to the wise of the world yet. Right. Haven't but, paid uh, enough taxes. Just, <laughs> just, I was getting, you know, just all backstabbing going yeah. on for just stupid stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if Democrats or Republicans, it, it yeah. all happens. But yeah, got jaded from that. Went to work for my dad. He had retired. He worked for Stroh's for 30 some years. And when God, he tried, retired, about that name. Well, we had a lot of Stroh's in our house. So it, yeah. it was, I was popular in that regard from people. Can you get us some beer? <laughs> but so he retired, but couldn't stay retired. He's type A personality. He needed to do something. Probably just uh-huh. driving my mom, driving my mom nuts at the time. So we bought a company, small company. And my brother and I worked for him. And I was telling you previously, he's a difficult guy to work for. In the meantime, working for him, I started coaching football at Groves, actually. You didn't say that either. I didn't know it was well, at Groves. I probably, 
how I forgot. Oh, uh, that's first, cool. The first year I coached football, freshman year, or the freshman football team, uh, Coach Rankin was the athletic director. Oh, my gosh. Steve Wilson, one of my best friends. Still, yes. He and I applied for that, got hired, coached the freshman team for uh, a year. In the meantime, I also had gotten hired as the head wrestling coach at Cranbrook. Okay. So after a year, I left Groves because they needed the football coaches at Cranbrook. I figured, well, I may as well be at one school. Right. Because I'm the head, I'm the man for the wrestling team there. Right. And decided, you know, you know work on a teaching certificate and I'll coach football and wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. And also at the same time, I had the interest in law enforcement, but more at a federal level. And okay. uh, I had a connection to Farmington Hills with the chief there. And I became a reserve police officer and uh, going to classes for the teaching certificate and the reserve stuff. I got offered a full-time position to send you through the academy. And I was like, well, well I need a full-time job now. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll just keep taking classes and finish that and decide what to do. But uh, 20-some years later, I ended up just staying in law enforcement. And, and as I told you before, when we were talking, when I retired, I went back to subbing. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'll finish the teaching certificate now and get you know. And I, I, I've been coaching when my son was in high school, so I went back to coaching football when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't been for the last couple of years. Well, I will go back and uh, finish that teaching certificate. They need teachers now. But I realize after being in a classroom now, it's not the same as it was thirty years ago. And, yeah. And like I'm too old for this crap. I can't. Yeah. I don't have the patience for it now. So let's talk about the good parts about it. Definitely it's commendable and it's a serious role you have protecting city, county, you know, citizens. So what about that part of it? Or what did you enjoy that made you feel like this was a a good career path that you were proud to be a part of? Because I I really would love to emphasize, you know, your achievements, accomplishments and what you've done. Well, early on, it was probably... A, the sense of camaraderie that I didn't have anymore of having played football. Okay. High school, oh, good point. Right. College, especially a lot of camaraderie mm-hmm. um, be, being, you know, fraternity in college, also camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And then you get done with that and it's kind of gone. So early on when everyone's younger for starting out, there was a lot of that. And that That's made the job, point, Neil. Made, made, made the job fun. And it was, you know, you had a good time, you know, you know, getting the bad guys and all that stuff. And, it's a brotherhood. And, yeah, but that brotherhood, at least in the department I'm in, I can't say for everyone. Every every department's different. My department, you soon found out as the years went by yeah. that some of the people that you're friends and everyone's going this way or going this way or going up especially are no longer your friends. Mm-hmm. And they treat you different, mm-hmm. and that camaraderie's gone. And I also had a bunch of guys that I was close with. Uh, I mentioned the one previously who went to Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. He and a few other guys that I was close with all left. He went to Fort Lauderdale, one went to the Secret Service, one got out of police altogether, mm-hmm. one went to Traverse. I mean, left. And then that's like, God, all these guys I'm close with, they're gone. So as time goes by, that camaraderie's gone. And, you know, and again, it wasn't so much the job that graded on you. I mean, there was some of that, some of this, you know, you get sick of handling 
accidents in the middle of the winter and you're out freezing your butt off for hours and stuff like that. And as you get older, because I started on patrol, I went to the detective bureau for a few years, which was nice. You're off the road. Don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. Right. But at the end, you know, I was back on the road, you know, 50, whatever. I don't want to be freezing my butt off anymore. You know, doing yeah. this. And so some of that, but a lot of, most of the time, it was internal stuff that really just started to grate on you. Some great guys I worked with, worked for, but then you also had the guys, I couldn't deal with the egos. I always say egos and assholes, too many of them. Do you see where there's also a public divide? And and, and I, I'll tell you how I feel about it in a minute, but I want to just get your viewpoint first of like, did you see it progress over the years to where you understood when people were looking at you possibly that your uniform was both pride and some people looked down upon it. Like, could you feel that tension towards the end? Not around here. And I okay. think it's a re I think it was a regional thing. Um, okay. All the problems going on with police around the country. It never really hit Michigan. All the, you know, as I got, I got out during COVID and all the kill the cop stuff going on. Okay. It, really didn't hit, it didn't really hit Michigan. So okay. when you see it on the news in a lot of places, yeah, I'm sure it happened. Maybe you always get people all through the career give you the side eye as you're walking by. That those are usually the people that hated cops, anyways, because they got you know put in prison right. for a couple of years for something. Or some of the bad stuff like that didn't really hit Michigan like other places. Which is refreshing to know because I'll share kind of I I get you know the magnitude of some of the incidences and I, and, and I'm not going to address any of it because I I get it and I understand. But it's going back to you even having a political career, right? It's doctors, it's lawyers, it's salespeople, which I've been in for years. There, every company. Realtors. Has, <laughs> well, yeah, you I, get a crappy realtor. No, it's true. Like that, we, Jim and I talked about it. Like it ruins people's, you know, used car salesmen and realtors are like yeah. in the same genre. And, you know, but you do have, you know, doctors aren't perfect. And, you know, there's corporate greed everywhere, as we know. Sure. And so all of that stuff, the police department's not void of it. It, it is, it's, oh. but it gets a lot of bad rap. And yet that still goes on where, you know, you work your butt off and corporate doesn't care about you, or you go to a doctor and things happen and there's malpractice. I mean, it does happen. And it's those people, it's not the profession. You know, that's my only getting on the soapbox trying to say, yeah. Everything is is tainted by a bad experience by a person, but doesn't represent the masses. Oh, that's definitely true. And in law enforcement, you know, doctors, corporate, whoever's, they're not in out in the public spotlight. Right. So police are. But again, who drives the narrative of things in the country these days? I the know media. the media. I know the media. Well, and, and what do the, the media wants? Clicks. They want. I know they want ratings and they magnify maybe something that may have been more of a minor incident, but they've magnified it and lit the fire and yeah, it's done on purpose. I mean, they've always got or something. So, well, it's so competitive for them. So we grew yeah. up, you know, Walter Cronkite was it like he came on, he told us what was happening and that was it. Right. And he had to be this bipartisan guy that just said what he said, or Peter Jennings, and then all of a sudden more stations get involved. And now ratings is a big deal. And then that whole landscape changed. And it's so competitive that you you tell a story in a creative way, 
so that people listen. It's not always yeah, the truth. I'd know? like to go back to when Ted Turner started CNN, and it's really not quite how it is now with CNN. It's changed. But that started the whole 24-hour, 24-7 news cycle. Yes. And now you've been in, bombarded constantly yeah. with news. Yeah. And, and it, it, I, is it a good thing in some ways? But in most ways, I think, in hindsight, it's been a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. Like the internet, I, I just just constantly bombarded with information. So I have to tell you my story. So speaking of sales, so I've, I've been in sales forever. And there's always these icebreaker stupid games you have to do when you're going around and you're in training and, you know, and it's two truths and a lie. <laughs> so you have to, you know, stand up and do two truths and a lie. Well, first of all, you know, being raised Catholic, I try to say that I cannot lie. Uh, even though I do, but I panic. And so people were so, they had like such cool stories. And I was like, shit, I just don't have anything that's that earth shattering, you know? And then I remembered. So my story was, I have a cousin who's a cop and my other cousin who shot a cop. Oh, So that's kind of like how... <laughs> I the, I view the police department. So you've got your corruption, right? But then you have to validate. So I do have a cousin who is excellent. And he actually went in detective work towards the end of his career because I think he hasn't fully retired yet. He's close to it. But, you know, kind of wanted to get off the road and all the body cam was coming into popularity, but very, very cool. But he became a detective. And then my other cousin, we have different sides of the family. and um, <laughs> We all do. Yeah. And so he had loved his wife more than anything. And they were going through a divorce and he kidnapped her, took her to a cabin. I'll never forget this. We were like, my uncle was visiting my mom and we're hearing all this stuff happening live and there's helicopters trying to find him. So he went to this house, which was one of his, his brother's homes and went into this, this cabin. And because it was not, it was seasonal that these people were normally there. The neighbor saw a car and footprints up to the door. So you you do think that's weird if nobody really is sure. up in Boyne, Boyne Mountain, right? So um, this was in Wisconsin. So police went to do a wellness check on the property and he did have a gun and he went to shoot the police officer, which he grazed his arm. He shot at his wife at the time, missed her and then shot himself. So it's a tragic story. But this is my heritage. I'm Irish and German, right? I mean, there's going to be some kind of bizarre cop story. And then there's going to be some heroic ones where my my cousin's a legitimate detective, you know, but I always feel feel like that sums up the police department. It's like, it's crazy. You know, it's an interesting world. Well, like I, just in a nutshell, there's some really great guys. I can't speak for everyone, but uh, yeah, some work for some really good guys. And again, yes. guys. Not guys that did stuff, you know, illegal stuff bad. Right. Just, you know, it's, again, I, it's the egos that I got tired of dealing with with some people, people that I worked under. Yeah. Some people I worked side by side with. And it's just, I don't know. I, I just looked at myself. I didn't have the ego like yeah. that. And because I, I worked for worse that. in that I profession. But maybe that's why I didn't write enough tickets because, you know. Is I there such a thing worse. as a quota, by the way? No, is that no, always? I, I, I swear at speak. the end of the month, I just, in my head, see, these are the, you have to, 
go through the myths that people have. I always think it's the end of the month. And when I see more cops, I'm like, they have to get their ticket quoted. Am I wrong? It's like, like the car salesman needs to get that last one, but by right. the end of the month. So obviously quotas are illegal and have been. Okay. And here's the dirty, the dirty little secret, which I don't mind sharing, at least in my, I can only go based on my department. Correct. Is, yes. So it's the end of the month and you used to hand in a stat sheet. By the, by the time I left, it was all computerized for right. you. And they, your shift supervisors would get all the stats. And to get around the quota, years ago, they came up with a shift average. And they had some mathematical BS, whatever they did. And, you know, if you were below the shift average, you know, you get a talking to. And then it would end up, you know, on your six-month evaluations, you know, when they take six months of tickets and arrests and stuff and you know and you get like you know needs improvement average above average outstanding okay that's how Uh they get around it like yeah well you're below below not saying i was below average all the time right sometimes average but i was always more about quality over quantity with my tickets Mm -hmm. again for better for worse it didn't always serve me in the Mm -hmm. department to have some really good quality tickets as opposed to the duck Fun pond guy, the duck pond guy, sitting in the same spot, and um, I did have a one of my field training officers when I first started. He left when he retired. He was the most decorated person in the history of the department. By the time he retired, he retired mm-hmm. as a lieutenant. But I remember sitting with him, and I was like, well, "Let's go run some radar." You know, he just looked at me, and he used to always use the term "Bubba." You know, like, "Listen, Bubba, a trained monkey can go out and sit." And, and run radar for four hours and get a bunch of tickets. You know, you need to be in the neighborhoods and you need to be like finding crime. Which I agree with a hundred percent. I mean, that's sort of what somebody who like me gets pulled yeah. over. You, you're kind of like, is this the most important thing yeah. in the call cycle? Like, is there anybody that needs you that's calling you that could use your help over me being five over? Well, there's definitely people that deserve to get that ticket. Yes. And uh, I have fallen in that category too. But there's a funny second part to the story about my old field training officer. So he's a lieutenant, you know, later on. I'm working under him. As a, and it's the stats, you know, kind of like, you, know, you need to get the tickets up. Oh, I'm like, hey, do you remember that time when you told me about a trained monkey can sit and run radar for four hours and get a bunch of tickets? <laughs> I said, because that's, you know, you trained me. So. He didn't like that. It's like, apparently it wasn't funny. You know, you're the one who trained me and now you're yelling at me. Oh, his words came back to bite him in the, in the butt. Did you have any uh, close encounters? Like, did you have anywhere you were really rattled and felt threatened or? um, So I worked in Farmington Hills for full disclosure. Mm -hmm. So it's not like working in Detroit or one of the major cities, but you get a lot of runoff from, you know, Redford's a little buffer between yep. Detroit down Grand River, but mm-hmm. um, I never had to shoot anyone. I've had okay. my gun. Dra- I've had my gun drawn on people. Never had to shoot anyone. I've never had a gun drawn on me. Okay. I've had to get out of the way of cars coming at me at some yeah. points. Nothing that really rattled me. Um, I would say. 
again, it didn't rattle me. I would say probably the worst thing I actually witnessed was a mm-hmm. uh, guy going through a divorce, went to one of our parks, you know, in you know, a bunch of kids all around uh, Heritage Park's a big park in Farmington Hills off of mm-hmm. Farmington Road. So get all these kids and families out of there. And so we're there with the AR-15s, you know, kind of little perimeter around them and stuff like that. And, you know, got our little tech vests and helmets on. We got with someone, you know, talking to him on the phone, you know, to, you know, you know, put your so he was down, threatening himself. He was kill himself. He's going through yeah. a really bad divorce. Um, he must know my cousin. But, yeah. So, <laughs> but he's sitting in his car, and I'm what, like, you know, thirty yards away from him, and he did kill himself. And oh. it was, you know, I saw his brightest day, just like you know the movies. Boom, there's yeah. a spray out of the top of the head. Right. Again, I wasn't rattled, but you know, it's probably the one of the worst things I saw over all the years. Yeah. 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 That's very um, unfortunate, and yeah. you would like to have had a different outcome for sure. So, but we have, you know, first foot chases and car chases. You no, know, Farmington Hills wasn't known for a lot of violent crime, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of. So how did Denise ever it. feel about it, though? Was she uh, never really outwardly showed, you know, much concern because okay. with her, it was like, oh, sure, you're working Farmington Hills, right, <laughs> right, that kind of thing. So, yeah. But um, nowadays, anything can happen. Doesn't things are worse now? They really are. I mean, you, I mean, just like, there's a lot of trends. As I was leaving, a lot of there were some changes coming. Yeah. You know, in the area, other yeah. areas. I mean, hell, I mean, it's getting bad in certain. You know, you can go out to Bloomfield, and there's. I was gonna really say some I, going on now. I don't want to diss Troy because I love Troy, but you know, I mean, gosh, Somerset Mall has changed. Some of the gas stations have oh, yeah. had, had situations, yeah. and it's just. I, I don't even know if it's economics. I think it's just people are stressed, meaning it doesn't matter economics. Like yeah. there's people in a bad mental place, no matter where they live is my point. You know, you can't be co- too comforted based off of a zip code and the wealth of an area, you know? Oh, no, no, it's, 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 every, it's worse now. It really is. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of demographic changes of all kinds that have, mm-hmm. you know, have gone on and, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of factors. I'm kind of glad I live where I am now when, when all the rioting was going on, you know, through COVID. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, originally my wife didn't. We lived by Jim and Sylvan, yeah. you know, Lake and stuff. And so 12 years later, we're here. Yeah. And I looked at her, though, with all the rioting and all that stuff going on. And we're, and we're remote, but we're not. I mean, I'm yeah. not. You know, I'm close to White Lake. I'm close to Clarkston. You know, Holly, whatever. And and I, I was like, aren't you happy we moved out here now? Because we really don't have to worry about yeah. when that riding starts coming. It's going to come to the suburbs eventually too, at some point. Yeah, and we'll be out here, and we're good. We got Fortress Neal over here, so it's just good. But uh, you know, it's you know, look back and go, really good move moving out here into the semi wilderness. I think it was so. too. I think it was too. <laughs> Would you recommend it to a young person? today absolutely not being totally truthful okay. i would not and if you're gonna do it you have to really 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 love it the benefits aren't there like they have been in the past but just the way society is now i mean i couldn't recommend you need them but i couldn't recommend it i couldn't tell my that's what's sad. Yeah, i couldn't tell my son oh you know you should get law enforcement i told him don't get don't ever think about it is what i told him that, you know, it sounds sad, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's just the reality of, there used to be the people that always hated cops. Now it seems like, you know, everyone yeah. hates them now. 
tell. Even when you didn't before, now you do. Do you think there's anything that can be done to change that? Um, or you think it's just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'll wait till the final investigation's over before I'm going to pass judgment. And this is something totally obvious that, you know, and... and well, that does and, happen. And, uh, yeah. But some things that may look totally obvious end up actually not if you weren't actually there right. at the scene. So I always like, you know, before you pass judgment, and always with the media, there's always going to be, you never right. get the way right. till the investigation is done and all the right. evidence is in because again, they've got their slam. The media for the most part yeah. is not pro cop. I don't think there should be pro cop, anti cop. It should just be in the middle. And part of the problem with some of the stuff is one side of the story with partial videotape is leaked and so are sent to news media. Meanwhile, yep. the police in general, it's always been police practice that we don't release anything till our investigation is done. Meanwhile, they've got all this other video evidence, but they haven't released it right. because they're not done. Meanwhile, the, this, narrative, this narrative is just growing and they're letting it happen because they're not getting the other departments now are starting to quickly get some stuff out to stop that mm -hmm. certain narrative mm -hmm. from going. That being said, there are some things that, you know, I can't justify on certain police officers what they did. A lot of it comes down to poor training in a lot of departments. Mm -hmm. A lot of the instances you mm -hmm. see come down to poor training, not the intent of someone to do something wrong, but they weren't trained well. So, and yes. that's when I will say at Carrington Hills that we probably had some of the best training in the state of Michigan for a lot of things. So that I, that mm -hmm. I do like the, in our department that we had. So, Well, you did what I thought you were going to do, which is, Make it a mixed conversation for discussion, right? I mean, it's an interesting subject yeah. and everybody has an opinion, but I personally thank you for your service. Oh, thank you and so much. I know there's value. Um, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't call someone and have, you know, 911 yeah. be available and have somebody come. I'm certainly not going to judge them. I'm going to yeah. need them. So um, I thank you for your well, service. Thank you so much. I, I love uh, the idea to get back to the base, and <laughs> I'd love to see you get another group and um, enjoy the rest of I your retirement. Maybe when I'm done, I'll pull it off the wall and keep my chops up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yes. no, I do. I, I miss playing. It's been a couple of years since these have been on the walls untouched for like almost two years because it's just dust them off, baby. Dust them yeah, off. You've so, deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for the jacket. Oh. It's a. Uh, Falcons. It's two for two. I love it now. That's Lots awesome. And you do fit in it. <laughs> well, that's good. I'll let Jim know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll probably give him a text after this and uh, give him a heads up. <laughs> that's right. Say, so stay tuned for next yeah. Wednesday. But I thank you so much and appreciate you letting me share my silly story there about my two cousins. But uh, I'm glad you found found me interesting enough to have me on the uh, show. Yes, it's a great subject. And and I learned a lot. I didn't even know about the music stuff behind you either. I just Hidden wanted talent. to, you know, really open up that yeah. conversation. To talk to someone who's been in the profession is better than just talking about the police force. Sure. Like it's direct to the source. You did it and you gave us 20 some years and that can't be discounted. So okay. I wanted to have I'm you. I'm going to tell my daughter to watch next Wednesday with me so she can see. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, her dad. Yeah, it is interesting. He's... Yeah. He's not as he's not as dorky as you think he is. 
He's hot. He's Gen X, baby. Best in the best in the world. Absolutely. So thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. I'm glad I get to know you in high school, but this is even better. Thanks for having me on, Leanne. I appreciate it. All right, friends. That's it for this episode of Class Reunion Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show, write us a review, and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time.